hang on, you spend all of your life working towards this and you're just going to quit. And I just said, yeah. Uh, welcome to another episode of Spotlight with Donna Smith, the founder of Odonata, a company that specialises in helping people, especially in the law, law world, with burnout. Give us a bit of an introduction to you and your business. Okay, so my name's Donna Smith. My business is called Odonata Growth and Transformation Coaching. And quite simply, it's a coaching business. I help junior lawyers to burn bright in their legal career and not out. And I'm coming up to almost four years in business, which is really exciting to be able to say. You know, when I started, if you'd have said you'd still be going at four years, I'm like, I really hope so. Yeah. Um, So, yes, I've been in business nearly four years. I would say this is my fourth career. So there's been a bit of a journey to get me here. Yeah. Uh, not surprisingly, the link to junior lawyers is the fact that I used to be a lawyer myself. Yeah. yeah. So so I decided at a really young age I wanted to be a lawyer. I was only about 10. And yeah, when you look back, you think, who on earth chooses their career path at the age of 10, 10 and yeah. sticks to it? But yeah. I'm, I'm anything if not tenacious. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I went all the way through school, college, university with these blinkers on, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I qualified as a lawyer. And I've got to be honest, the day I qualified, I'm sat there in my office, I've got my little business card. My, my surname used to be Lawson before I got married, so it's Donna Lawson, solicitor. I'm looking at this business card and I am petrified. And I'm crying thinking, what have I done? I can't do this. I don't know how to be a lawyer. So... I stuck at it for five years and it just didn't work out for me. I, you know, like you were saying earlier, you spend a lot of years working and I really had this image in my head that I wanted a career that I got out of bed in the morning and thought, yes, I get to do what I love today. And I never felt that in law. And looking back now, I realised that was when I, my, my first experience of burnout but at the time, I didn't, I, I'd never heard of burnout. I mean, we go going back 20 years. And I just thought I was really crap at it. Yeah. I did. I thought I was yeah. a crap lawyer. Yeah. Um, I didn't think I was doing it right. I didn't know who to ask. I felt embarrassed to ask for help because, you know, my experience of the legal profession, and I, and I hear it now from my clients, is that everybody seems to put on a good show of having it all in control and managing everything. And I think just being a lawyer, there is that expectation of, well, people come to you for help, people come to you for answers, so therefore you must have all the answers and you must have everything in order. And so I just had five years of getting lower and lower and lower. And so I got to the five year stage and I thought, this is either gonna kill me or it's gonna fundamentally change the core of who I am. So I quit just before my 30th birthday. And at the time, I was I was working for a law firm up in Leeds. And I, honestly, if you'd have seen my life, you'd have been like, she is living the dream. I had a brand new apartment at Royal Armouries. I was walking to work every day. I was earning a lot of money. You know, there was out for dinner, drinks, you know, shopping at hot. It looked amazing, but I was so unhappy and so lost. And I remember phoning my parents one morning when I woke up again thinking, I don't think I can do this. And I rang them, I was like, is my bedroom still free? (laughs) My mum was like, it's that stupid question. Who do do you think is going to fill it? Your brother's left, you've left, it's just me and your dad. Why is that? And I said, well, I think I'm going to have my nose since down. I'm quitting law. And they were so incredibly supportive. 
They just, they didn't, you know, I mean, my dad, bless him, was a bit, hang on, you spent all of your life working towards this and you're just going to quit. And I just said, yeah, it's not for me, dad. And he went, all right, pet, you know what you need. And I just went home. So that was my first career. That was lucky. I would, oh. That was lucky that your parents were like that. Yeah. That was lucky. Because well, to relate to the same sort of feeling when I, the job I was telling you about before mm. like, when I started off, all my mates thought I was crazy leaving the job. Mm. They were like, you earn the most money out of all of us, are yeah. you mad? And you'd be like, yeah. it's not worth the hours that I have to work. It's not yeah. worth the misery. Yeah. And then when I, I left a very good job, a very well paid, a very cushy job mm. to come and set my own business up. Mm. And my dad didn't get it. My dad was just like, pension, healthcare, yeah. laptop, lunch allowance, car. And he was just like listing the things off. And I remember, I wasn't asking for their permission to start a business because I said to him, I'll do it without you, with or without yeah. you. It's entirely yeah. up to you two what you want to do. Yeah. And my dad listed all these things off. I said to him, I'm unhappy, dad. Yeah. So all of those That's things it. that you've listed, yeah. they're not making me a happy person. Yeah. They're not making me a complete happy human being. Yeah. They're just things. Yes. <laughs> they're just things. Things yeah. that come with it. Yeah. And that will be there when you're not. Yeah. For the next person. Next person can have them. Yeah. Just yeah. naming a number in a corporate. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. So, so yeah, so I left law and for a while I did all the things that perhaps I should have done when I was younger, but I was so blinked on being a lawyer. So I went travelling and I did a ski season in France and I faffed about a bit. Yeah, I love it. You know, did all those things. And it was during that time I was thinking, well, what was it about being a lawyer that I want, that I loved? And what other careers could I have that would enable me to transition that across? And really, I went into law because I wanted to make a difference. I was like, okay, what other careers can I make a difference in that involve people? And it was when I was working in a bar in, in France on the ski season. And I used to do the, you know, the après ski session. So I used to start at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'd get them all coming off the slopes. And they'd all be sat at the bar. And I'd end up feeling like some agony on and like chatting them through their issues and doing a bit of coaching and stuff. And I thought... I'll go into HR because I'm clearly all about the people. HR is all about the people. So I came back from France, started again, started as a HR admin assistant, did all my qualifications and worked my way up to a senior HR business partner and realised that actually, forgive me for all those people in HR that's listening to this, HR is not about the people at all. It's about the business. Yeah. And it's about the bottom line, yeah. which is very similar to the legal profession. Yeah. So I found myself retraining a second career thinking, this feels exactly like law. I don't, this isn't for me. It's not making me happy. I don't think I'm very good at it. Um, and fortunately at that time, rather than having to sort of jump ship completely in my personal life, I was with my now husband and uh, we were living down south and he was in the armed forces and he had the opportunity to come out of the army because he'd been in for 20 years. And we were both from Nottingham and we wanted to start a family. So he said, you know, what do you think about me coming out of the army? And we moved back to where the, the parent, the, you know, the grandparents Yeah, the support is, yeah. I was like, hell yeah, yeah. that'd be a good idea. Yeah. And so that move forced a change of direction in career. So I moved from being generalist HR into the L&D, so learning and development role. And I took on a role as a consultant, working for a company who had clients pretty much like you guys, you know, across the country where you've got based all over the place. And so I travelled and I delivered workshops and training on appraisal skills and performance management skills and coaching skills and all those kind of things. And that was the start, really, of feeling like, ooh, this is starting to help me get out of bed in the morning thinking, I love what I 
to. Yeah. But it still wasn't fulfilling me yeah. to the core. So so I did that for a few years. We had a baby girl. Um, and then the traveling with having a tiny child was not great. The three days a week that I worked, I hardly saw her. And it was like, hang on, I've not waited this long in life to start family to then not actually be there yeah. for my family. Um, so I started to get the idea of, well, maybe I could work for myself. Maybe I could do the bits of this role that I love for myself, which would enable me to be there for my baby girl and, and my husband. And so I took an interim role as a consultant working for an organisation in Nottingham and did that for 18 months. And then finally took the step into my third career, uh, fourth career rather, of being a business owner. Big on inspiration. I think we, this whole point of this is like you, one person can't inspire a whole company. It, it just doesn't work like that. Um, so yeah, who's your biggest uh, inspiration? Gosh, there's, there's a number of people, but when, when I knew that that was going to be one of the questions, I was thinking, what's my instinct? Who comes up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person that came straight to mind was my big brother, my big brother Dave. So there's six years between us. Although if you saw him, I definitely look older, which is just so sickening. But he's just, he's like Peter Pan. He never, he never, never ages. ages. Um, but yeah, my, my big brother Dave is one of my biggest inspirations. He, I mean, my goodness, talk about being on a journey. Since his late teens, he has been on a roller coaster of highs and lows and challenges and has had to reinvent himself so many times whilst being responsible for his family and his kids and the reason why God, I'm getting emotional sorry sorry um the reason why he inspires me so much is because it doesn't seem to matter how much life tries to kick him down he just stands up and dusts himself off and it's almost as if he says is that all you got yeah and he keeps going and I think you know it's, it's ironic that when we were younger um, I, you know, I was going to be a lawyer, so I was, I was always the academic one. Whereas my brother has far more intelligence than I'll ever have. But because of becoming a father at a young age, he went straight into I need to work. Yeah, my family. Provide, yeah. So he went into working at a very young age, and off I went, you know, to university and did all the the law school stuff. And then over the years, we've ended up coming to this place where I'm a qualified coach, he's a qualified coach. I work in well-being. He's a mental health first aid trainer. Okay. I've got a business. He's got his own business, but he also still works, and he just he just gives so much of himself without question. And so when I'm having those down days, when I'm you know those moments when you're yeah, 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 thinking, yeah, yeah. what have I done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think, what would Dave do? What would Dave do? And Dave would just dust himself off and go. Is that all you got? Yeah. And he finds a way. So, yeah, he's, um, I've always looked up to him since you know, I was a child. But, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know that he knows how much he inspires me. That's lovely. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. And I think, like, it's really easy to have, like, inspirational people that are from the internet. You know, yeah. it's really easy to have that. We've all got the, you know, we've yeah. all got the people that you watch oh, and you think, yeah. oh, my God, yeah, this person. Yeah. But I, 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 too, like that motivated by my, my family really yeah. who inspired you from like a leadership perspective the person at the moment who is inspiring most from a leadership perspective is is my own coach a lady called fabienne Fredrickson. 
And again, you know, back to my mind, at first I was recommended to her by a colleague and sort of follow her on social media. And um, she she inspires me for so many reasons. The first is that when I when I first started following her on social media, I was, you know, you're sort of in that place of awe and you think, I couldn't possibly work with somebody like her. It's like, she's up here yeah. and I'm here. Um, and then, you know, you sort of watch a couple of the webinars that she does and realises that she is actually for the people who are here because she was once there. And the reason why she's so inspirational to me is whatever she does in her business, she's basically teaching us and coaching us on what she did to get to where she is. And there's just something so real about her and so credible that gives me inspiration and hope. So, so you know, as I'm, as I'm sure we'll get on to, you know, my whole business model is built around my own experience and wanting to make sure that doesn't happen for the people. And there are times when I think, well, what a stupid idea. Who's, who's bothered about your story? Who's bothered about how you recovered? Well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is that going to make that big of a difference? And then I watch and listen to Fabienne sharing what she's done to overcome her challenges. And I see how it uplifts everybody. And I just think she's a perfect example of taking, taking your messes and turning them into messages. Um, and the other thing that I love about her is that she's unashamedly feminine. You know, I mean, I come from a corporate world. And I remember, you know, in the power suits and the yeah. trouser suits and, you know, all very like dark colours and stuff. Yeah. You know? I mean, the fact that I'm here in a floaty dress, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Um, and the thing about Fabienne is like, you can be hugely successful in business. You can run your own business, but you can still be a woman and be feminine and be girly. And, and that, that's important to me because I think that's a side of me that I don't really allow to come to the surface that much. So she just, yeah. Fabienne, she, she's basically, she's the reason why my business is still in, in business that's because I've been following her. She's that's, awesome. That's brilliant. I think what you said about her is I was like, <clears throat> I personally think that the landscape is changing. Mm. And I think that <clears throat> as business owners today mm. are having to like migrate into a Gen Z and a millennial workforce, it's actually our responsibility to make sure that those that society's characteristics are represented within the business. Mm. And um, when you look at, you know, when you look at all of the work that they've done around, you know, LBGTQ plus mm. communities and all of that, like it does exist. It is real. Like yeah. you can, you can be an old stuffy business and you can choose, yeah. you can choose to ignore it if you want, mm. or you can choose to try and educate yourself. And it is difficult. I come from a very working class mm background yeah. from a mining town yeah. and it is difficult and it is very complicated to follow and you have to put the effort into it yeah. but you are going to come into and it's it's all about it's all about now trying to have a template in place where people are going to come and feel comfortable to yeah. work there and the old corporate traditions there mm. they don't realize that they're dying mm. You know, these, these girls come to choose to work here. They're the most talented people yeah. out of the uni. They could choose to work anywhere yeah. and they select it based on yeah. what it's offering yeah. them, not just... Yeah. Psh, yeah. Psh. And this is going to be a... this is Now we've had the digital revolution. Mm. This is going to be a, a, a big thing moving forward and it's yeah. a big responsibility that people employ people have. Mm. So I think that leads lovely segue into like talking about burnout because mm. <clears throat> understanding the cultural aspects of like your community yeah. whether that's 
the community that you live in or the global community that we're all living in and the desire from people for difference, mm. burnout is, uh, is really something that should be left back really where it belongs, which is mm. in a bygone mm. era of like time not being like that yeah. anymore because everyone's really ill. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's as simple as that. It is. Uh, so it, yeah. it, and in, and in law, oh. you know, in law, you know, you you, yeah. you you feel so sorry for them. You see them, you see them go through uni, yeah. and they're always in the library doing law. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're always in the library doing law, and then yeah. you get the jokers that do the law conversion courses. And are you mad? Like yeah. you're going to do more of this? <laughs> And then they go on and be lawyers, and then they're in the law library at the, at the place firm, where they yeah. work. Yeah. And then they're like, you know, the, the hourly rate is minimum wage, really, for loads of stress. And yeah. that three years and getting qualified, you just think to yourself, oh, I'm glad I did choose law. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, yeah. Look, uh, yeah. Observing it from the outside, because obviously yeah. I don't have that passion to be a lawyer, mm. but I remember, I just think, so. I mean, I had my own struggles, but yeah. I remember looking at other people thinking, God, law looks rubbish. Like, look at how hard they have to work. Like, and then there's the 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 pressure for drinks, the pressure to do the things after work, the pressure to socialise, the pressure to make the contacts, the pressure to be part of the law firm. Yeah. No time to be you. No, no. And it's and it's it's a really good point that I think whoever chooses to go into the legal profession. They have their eyes wide open to a certain extent because you don't join the legal profession expecting it to be easy. You don't join thinking it's going to be a clear nine to five job. And actually, for many, for many people coming to the legal profession, that heavy workload, that idea of that sort of like that certain level of stress is probably what appeals to them because it's like that's what they thrive on. Yeah. I know certainly for me, you know, it's like that sense of, oh, this is really important. But I think. You're absolutely right. There is no time for themselves. There's no time for them to get to know themselves. And I think certainly, as you know, I was saying earlier, my experience of burnout began when I was in the legal profession. But I mean, we're going back 20 years. And back then, I didn't I don't even know if burnout was a thing. Um, and, it, and it starts in here. It starts with those thoughts of I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good enough. I need to prove my worth. Everyone else seems to know what they're doing but me, so I can't possibly ask. And of course, if you're in that mindset consistently over time, it starts to have other consequences. And so you work long hours, you skip your lunch breaks, you take work home at the weekend. So what it then starts to do is it, it leaks into the time when you ought to be recharging and refueling and taking some time for you, but you don't. And then before you know it, you're in this cycle of always being on and never switching off and starting to recognise that you know something's not right, you know you're not at your best, but you're in that trap now of, well, they're used to me providing this amount of work. They're used to me churning this level of workload out. So if I start taking my foot off the pedal now, they're going to think I'm no good. They're going to think I can't do it. And on and on it goes. I mean, and that's what it was like for me 20 years ago. And I must admit, when I decided to shape my business around helping junior lawyers, a part of me at the time was thinking, it can't surely still be the same. I mean, I left law 15 years ago and well-being is a real hot topic nowadays. And, you know, there are coaches and there are mentors and et cetera, et cetera. So it was quite saddening 
to start doing the research with the legal profession going, so how is it now? You know, what sort of support are you getting? And all those sort of questions. And recognising that the long hours, the work hard, the always being on culture is actually more now than it was when I was in it. Because, of course, you know, we've got the internet, we've got 24-7, you know, you've got your emails on your phone, you, you can't escape from it. So I think the burnout, it's, it's very, very commonplace in the legal profession. But one of the questions I get asked a lot about burnout is why are you only helping junior lawyers? You know, teachers are burned out, doctors are burned out, bankers are burned out, working moms are burned out. I'm like, I know, but there's only one of me. Yeah, and I've already had burnout several times. So if I try and help everybody... I'll burn out. I'll burn out <laughs> yeah. again. When they come to you, what's the tips? What do you say? What do you say? Like, what, what oh. have we got to do? So yeah, so when, when clients or when people approach me to talk about working with me on, on, on the Burn Bright programme, the first thing I do for them is just give them the space to talk out what's going on for them because what tends to be the case is they'll know something's not right. They'll know they're out of alignment in some way, but they've been so, so busy, they've never actually given themselves the space to articulate what it is they, they think is going wrong. So that's the first tip would be, to talk about it. You know, if you feel like you're struggling, if you feel like you're just on that permanent hamster wheel and there's no you in, in it anymore, then find someone to talk to about it. So that would be the first tip. And then the Burn Bright program itself that I take my clients through, whilst in and of itself, it's very practical steps. There are six, six principles that I take them through, all with different tools and techniques that help them to get themselves back onto their priority list. Underpinning all of that is the mindset and that mindset around being important enough, being worthy enough for you to dedicate some time for you. So that would be the other key tip that I, I say to my clients is we can do all of the practical steps. I can share all of these models with you. But unless you start working on that mindset that currently is saying, I'm only as good as the number of cases I'm yeah. working on. I'm only as good as the amount I'm billing each month i'm only as good as the praise from my supervisors all the while that mindset is there these tools and techniques will only take you so far yes they'll get you feeling better but you've got to shift the mindset as well so so underpinning all of the burn bride principles that's where the coaching comes in that's where the nlp comes in and the challenging of those beliefs that say so you know like you're saying about your mom you know, when you're in that role and you've done it for several years and someone takes it away, well, what's left? So in the Burn Bright programme, we start with, well, if we just put the legal career to one side, who are you? What, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? And it's crazy how the reaction is like, nobody's ever asked me that question. Yeah. And it's like, okay, have you ever asked yourself yeah. that question? Have you ever sat and gone, what? who do I want to be? How do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? What do I want to have? And again, that freedom and that space to explore in that area. I mean, I did this with a client a few weeks ago that I started working with. And she said, I, I feel like I'm using my imagination again. And I said, when was the last time you used your imagination? And she went, probably when I was a child. Oh, no. Yeah. You remember when you were a yeah. kid and, you know, you'd yeah. make up stories and, you'd play, yeah. and your toys were real. And I mean, it's not for nothing that the t Toy Story series is as successful as it is. It's because we all know our toys were really real when yeah, we were kids, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was saying to you, you know, this, to burn bright is to give yourself time and space 
to let your your mind and your your feelings wander and and so that's the tips like talk to someone about it and give yourself the time and space to explore it rather than just keep marching on it feels very much like what you're saying yeah. that 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 underlying principle of uh, burning bright is actually taking the responsibility for yourself yeah. to burn bright, not just at work, but for yeah. you as an individual. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. And I think, you know, if you think about, well, all of us really, but, you know, I remember when I went into the legal profession, the drive was to make a difference, to help others. And I think a lot of people go into the legal profession with, that's part of it. They want to help others. They want to serve. But we, I think we live in a, a society and a culture that rewards and applauds helping others, but stigmatizes that helping yourself because that's selfish, mm. that's self-indulgent. And that's the hardest mindset shift for all of my clients to recognize that in order for you to help and serve others as best you can, you've got to help and serve you first. And that takes responsibility. It takes ownership. It takes that recognition of, well, if I continue to stay working on my laptop till 11, 12 o'clock at night, my boss isn't going to turn around and go, would you mind stopping working so hard, please? Because you you're creating yeah. too many results. You've got to do it yourself. And, and it's about taking responsibility for the boundaries that you set rather than feeling like it's all being done to you. So, yes, you're, you've, you've got it in a nutshell. Reflecting on where you've come from, mm. so like anybody that's you four years ago, yeah. what sort of what leadership advice or what piece of advice would you give those people setting off at, oh, at that point thinking I'm going to go it alone? Yeah, um, don't go it alone. Get help really early on. I mean, when I when I first set out in business, I, I had this mindset of there's no money, it's just me, so I've got more time than money, so I'll figure it out. What I didn't do was ask the questions about the things I needed to figure out. I just tried to figure it out. And of course, when you don't know what you don't know, you're actually not figuring out a lot. No. You're just floundering. Um, so my first year in business, I, I floundered. I went to every networking event going, not knowing why the hell I was going, what I was, who was I trying to meet, what was I trying... I just, I was busy being busy. So my advice to you know somebody in my place four years ago is definitely go for it get help and the thing that held me back from doing that was well I didn't have any money so I couldn't afford a coach I couldn't afford a mentor I couldn't go on business courses but there's so much out there now to get you started that is free so so I would I would say get yourself a support network of people who are further along the journey than you and so my question I would say is you know who do you know who? Who do you know who has already set up a business? Go and say to them, I'm thinking of setting up my own business. Can we can we meet for a coffee? What would be your top three tips when you write them down? Who else do you know who's doing what you want to do? Go and meet with them. So I'd just say, go for it, but don't do it on your own. Because it was only when I when I reached out and asked for help by getting a mentor. And I asked for recommendations for a coach and somebody recommended Fabienne. I followed Fabienne for a year before I worked with her because the stuff she puts out there was so useful anyway. Yeah, enough value. And when I started working with Ian, my mentor, and Fabienne, my coach, that's when the transition in my, the transformation of my business really, you know, they were the ones that said, why aren't you working with lawyers? Doing what you do with your background in law. 
why would you not work with lawyers? Yeah. And at the time I was like, because when I left the legal profession, I swore I'd never go back there. But then when you think about it, you think, that is such an obvious next step. And so, you know, I started working with lawyers and it's like, well, why, why are you packaging your programming this way? What about if you do it this way? And I wouldn't have done that had I not reached out for the help. Fresh perspective. Yeah. 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 And people just who are further along on the journey than you, because certainly in the last almost four years, there have been a number of times when I've sat in my little office at home, you know, the box room, my head in my hands in tears thinking, what have I done? You know, we've, we've gone into debt because of this business because there was no money coming in. And, you know, that's put pressure on my husband. But where it's going, where the, the business is growing and going to, it will eventually mean that my husband can quit his job. And it's scary on your own. So, yeah, don't, don't do it on your own. Yeah. Speak to people who are further along the journey so that on those dark days, you can look at them and go, they've, they've sat where I'm sitting today. And look where they've got to and it just keeps you moving yeah i'm preparing for a presentation that i've got to do this week mm. and one of the i was driving in this morning thinking about it and thinking about you coming in today one of the things that i was thinking to myself was like and um, i've already thought of it like this before but the it, especially where you're about to go to now mm. there's like you can't do it on your own like identification of your own strengths yes. and your own weaknesses yeah. and then getting people to do the shit that you're weak at yes. and focus on what you're actually good at yeah. and I made a fleeting comment last week that I was going home because I understood that was the biggest distraction in the <laughs> office and everyone was like you are self-aware so yeah. I got in the car and went home yeah. Yeah. but it's important and the thing I was thinking to myself this morning was like we've got this presentation we've got to do that the, the only reason that we can do it is because we're a team and we're not yeah. an individual which is me it's yeah. like it's not this is yeah. Sam Evans, the Gather Social is all mine. It's actually like, no, this is a team of people. This yeah. is a team effort. Yeah. And the thing that we've put together shows that we are unified as a team. Mm. And I think it's just exactly what you're saying. It's like, and you have to be a team in your personal life. Everything's got to be a team. One of you's going to be stupid and run a business. <laughs> but you've got to be a team. Oh, my gosh. And, and I mean, you know, to, to that point... I recently I was having a conversation with my husband and I was saying I'm so busy because where I've got to in my business now is I've got to the stage now where I'm time poor yeah so all the the back office stuff it's still all me yeah and I've reached that wonderful stage in the business where I'm like right I need to get I need a VA yeah because you know when I've done my programs when I've done my my, my webinars I'm then doing all the follow-up emails and I'm doing it would be awesome to have a VA. And I was chatting to my husband about this. I was like, I've got lots, to, I've got so much to do, I've got lots to do. And he just looked at me and went, yes, but Donna, it's your lots. I was like, what do you mean it's my lots? And he went, well, you're the business. Yeah. It is only you. Yeah. You get to choose what you do. You get to choose who you work with. You get to choose the hours you work. You get to choose what marketing. He says, so if you've got lots on, it's your lots. And it's like, oh. So I could actually choose not to have lots. I could actually choose to have little, to, to have little <laughs> yeah. you know. And again, that comes with recognising that you need other people around you to state the bleeding obvious. Yeah, so what's next? What are, you, what are you hoping happens? You mentioned a VA. Yeah. So what, what's, what's next? That's... Yeah, so, so I mean, the timing of this, of this interview is fantastic. I think had we met when we originally spoke, so what's happened recently wouldn't have happened. So um, just recently, my... I run the Burnbright program and then I've got a number of what I call masterclasses, which is what I do from a speaking point of view. I go out and talk to junior lawyers, divisions and law societies. 
And last month I was approached by an organisation who said, you know, we've been recommended to you, we hear you work with junior lawyers. We're a, we're a company who employs junior lawyers and helps them on their training contract, their training journey. And we're setting up this platform, this online platform, where we want to put together a bank of resources for them to have access to. Is there anything you do that could go on that platform? And I said, well, I've got these couple of masterclasses. Now, bear in mind, these were things that I used to just do as a way of raising my profile. So I told them about the masterclass and they were like, yeah, can we have them? So all of a sudden, something that I was doing to raise my profile has now become Product. an income stream. Yep. And that's completely caused me to suddenly think, I need to rethink how I'm doing what I'm doing. Because now that's been taken into that, that format. It's helping me to look at how else I could offer the Burn Bright programme. So over the summer... Um, I'm going to repackage it, rebrand it, and and create it in different formats from the way I have been doing it up until now. Yeah. So so what what I'm going to be doing going forward is is to create packages of the Burn Bright program that frees up my time, um, and then alongside that, there's going to be I want to bring in a part time VA. I'd like to bring in an online business manager because. Back to your point about doing things that you know need doing in the business, but you really don't want to be doing them. So this next year to 18 months is, is around me streamlining the way in which I offer my services so that I can offer more, but with less of me, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And yeah. then bring other, other members of the team in so that there is more time for me to spend. You know how I was saying earlier, one of the things I give my clients is the space and time to just explore and use your imagination. And this, certainly this last year to 18 months, it's been all about the doing. You know, the pandemic hits like, right, how do I keep the business going? Yeah. And I've not had any time to be creative and, and let these ideas and inspirations just take shape. So I'm really excited about the next you 18 months. You can tell. I think you it's going yeah. I'm, mo I'm moving out of the, I don't know what I'm doing, to the, I know more what I want to do. Yeah. And I now know people who can help me. Yeah. So it's exciting. That's really exciting. exciting. So that completes this episode of Spotlight With. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and we'll see you really soon for some more episodes.